0: Apparently it was God's idea, this whole celebration around the birth of his son. He's the one who orchestrated this in the first place. So here comes his son into the world and he says, you know, I'm not gonna make this grand uh, a conference that tells everybody who this child is, but I want it marked in history how important this is, and so he opens up uh, the, the the curtains of heaven, and this, this angelic, this army of heaven choir sings to these no-name shepherds out in a field somewhere, and it's obvious something grand is happening, and they are amazed, and they run to find what's happening, and then he sends a bunch of kings from foreign countries uh, to the house with gifts and stuff. God is partying. He is celebrating this good thing that he's brought about to humanity. And in the announcements that he makes through the angels, he says, this is a special child who's going to save the world from their sins. And so as this baby comes, the story goes, as Scripture has it, it's something incredible. This This child's gonna bless the world. And it makes it sound like even if the world never comes to believe in him, he's still blessing the world. And now here we are, 2020 years later, and that child did change things. Of course, we're in church. We're in, we're in the assembly of people who've chosen to follow him. You gather here and you start your week off right by putting him on the throne of your life. If, if somehow during the week you got distracted, sidetracked, and you started putting yourself or other idols on that throne, every Sunday you come here to take whatever you put on there off and put Jesus in his rightful place. That's what followers of Jesus do. And so we steer, and we, we bear witness, we testify, and I want to ask you this. Has Jesus changed your life? Are you uncertain? Has Jesus absolutely reoriented your life on this earth? Yes, that's why we're here. But now some of you, no, you don't, and that's okay. That's why I told you, you you fit here too. Because even if you don't believe in him as Lord, and even if you're not a follower of his, committed to him, rearranging your life according to his, even if that's the truth, He still blessed your life. And that's what we're talking about this morning. We're going to pan back and look at this generically, not Christianly, but there's going to be some Christian breakthroughs here because you can't stay silent about that. Everybody on this earth has benefited from the difference that baby made as he grew up on this planet. We're gonna brag about that. and I'm going to, We're gonna do a top seven list. You know why it's not a top 10 list? Because I know there's food cooking. So there's a top seven list. Here's the first thing. Jesus gifted the world, regardless of whether you believe it or not, he was a gift to the world in how he regarded women. Every woman in the world should be thankful to Jesus Christ. I saw Josie, Josie Khan, come in this morning. It was like, I, I swear it was my shepherds out in the field moment. She had this white thing on, this red, she glowed. It's Christmas on her. And she just kind of, and there was this angelic choir around her going, as she walked down the aisle. And you know what I'm thankful for? She gets to grow up in a world where Jesus has already been here. Because what Jesus did in his regard for women changed everything. You know about the patriarchy, right? The Old Testament, how women were just kind of considered property. That was the world of the Old Testament. God regulated it a little bit to keep it from being abusive, but he couldn't do much with it, apparently, even through the Scriptures. The world treated women terribly, and, and God never intended that way. God said in Genesis three, after the sin was committed and the punishment was rendered, He said, "This is how women are going to treat men are going to treat women, but that's not what I wanted in Genesis 2. That's not how I created this, but it did. It degenerated into something awful. And then Jesus comes on the scene, and he treats women completely differently. Great respect. Women followed him and droves and even financially supported his ministry. He saw them. He saw that woman at the well, and he rearranged everything in his schedule to spend time with just her, to share with her the gospel of real life and that water of living water inside. He wanted this woman who was a castaway to humanity to be given a chance to know God. He spoke to women publicly, privately. He respected Mary for her decision not to be busy cooking in the kitchen, but to be at the feet of Jesus. Women are to be disciples, and their minds matter, and they have great contributions to make. He saw that sinful woman that everybody else had already judged when she walked in the door, and he loved her and he forgave her and empowered her to have a different future because women matter. And in a world where they didn't, Jesus said, yes, they do. I'm going to set things back right. We're not going back to Genesis 3. We're going back to Genesis 2, where women are incredibly important, created in the image of God. Actually, Genesis 1, the widow's plight, her only son was in a called a beer in the King James, for those of you who know, it's not a drink, it's a casket, and as they're following along in the procession to the hole in the ground, he is so moved by her new bad situation that he raises up that boy, and suddenly there's no need for a funeral. There was a woman who mattered. He forgave the sinful woman when all the men were ready to judge her as some kind of curse. And when he talked about marriage, he put obligations on men. One man... Men, one woman for life. You don't pass her around like a piece of meat. This is Jesus we're talking about, who captured the heart of God when it came to his creation, the dignity with which we were all created, men and women. And Jesus put them back where they belong, in high view, right? And the New Testament teachings even finish this. Thought that a husband would have any kind of obligation to submit to his wife was cast aside. How did Paul get that idea? He got it straight from Jesus. Amazing. In the parts of the world where Christianity has ruled the day, women have greater chances than any other part of the world, and it's because of Jesus. And I want you to know that even if you're not a Jesus follower, Women have made strides where they should have belonged in the first place because of this man who was born in a manger. That leads to another one, and it's the, the, the high regard God had for children you see this in the New Testament. You see that in pictures. Many pictures of Jesus are like this, how he had children on his knee because you saw these mothers and these fathers wanting Jesus to bless the little children. And you have the disciples going, oh, they're loud, they're obnoxious, they're in the way, they don't contribute to you. And, God, and Jesus reprimands them. Do you remember that? I'm not talking about just like, now, don't do that. He chastises the disciples for getting in the way of the children getting to him. And don't you dare do anything that offends the little children, Jesus says. We live in a time where children are almost to the other extreme. We almost build our entire lives around the worship of our children. But in the world Jesus lived in, they weren't of much value. How do you get in the world we live in now from where Jesus started? That road leads through Jesus. His high regard for children from the day they were conceived to the day they grow up and die. Jesus is an advocate for children, and that's that way all over the world for those who are Christians. And so that early church, they were known as taking these exposed children. When you didn't want children anymore, you just threw them out, right? You just left them in some ancient place, and you didn't have any regard for them anymore. And Christians would take them and make children's homes and adopt them because that's the heart of the Jesus that we as Christians serve, but even if you don't believe in Jesus as Savior, you must believe in Jesus as a child honorer. That leads to number five, and how he regarded humanity in general. His great mission, his great mission he announced in his first sermon is, I've come here to make sure that the poor can hear the gospel preached. I don't want it just preached where people can pay for it. I want everybody to be able to hear it. I want to be able to to get the prisoners to hear this. I I want to be able to get the oppressed to hear this. I I want the poor, the, the oppressed, the blind, the ill, the people who are left behind and cast aside who are no longer in the mainstream of life, that's who I'm after. And that's who he went after not because he was trying to be nice, but because he practiced what his father taught. And that is that everybody is created with human dignity and in the image of God and and deserves to be treated with respect. So you help people who are in need and you challenge those systems that hurt people. And that's why even though the church wasn't uniform in this way, it was Christians who were the ones who attacked racism and slavery. William Wilberforce all the way down to Abraham Lincoln. think of this. Let me just make this local. Get rid of all the hospitals that treat the ill that are run by people who are Jesus followers. What's left in Jonesboro? You got no St. Jude's. now. I mean, St. Bernard's. You had no St. Bernard's? You have no NEA because it's NEA Baptist now you can sit there and complain all you want to about denominations or whatever those people do what they do because they believe in Jesus Jesus is responsible now go to Perigold take that out because it's a Methodist you know you know what Lebanon is it's a Methodist take them all out take all the Baptist churches in uh, churches hospitals in Memphis take them all out what kind of world are you left with Where's all the medical care come from? Take out the children's home. What happens to those young people who are left in those spots? The church started those things because they follow a Jesus who has us involved in those things. What kind of world would this be without Jesus teaching us that all of humanity is worth it? And not only did he teach it, he practiced it. And all the people he healed. We happen to believe he was Lord because of it. But even if you don't believe he was Lord, you don't follow him as you're saved. Even if that's the truth, you still have to acknowledge. When you do the studies, it says up to 80% of all donations to civil humanitarian causes come from Jesus believers. That's not an accident. Number four education. Every school, they like say 80% of all higher ed that started in the last 80 years or older than, than right now? They were nearly all started because they believed in Jesus. Even Harvard and Yale. I know that sounds crazy, right? Because they believe that whole message. Jesus believed it too. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And so we want to study and we want to know, we want to grow. Science owes Christianity because while we pit them against each other, it hasn't always been that way. Science was promoted highly by Christians because we believe God created the world and the more you know about the world, the more you know about God. And by the way, what is the beginning of wisdom? Fear of the Lord And Jesus knew that. And it's interesting. He taught. You see him teaching right here. Taught, taught, taught. And and all the illiteracy efforts of the early Americas, it's all through the Bible that they taught this. Educational efforts in our world, wanting to be sharper, wiser, in the know about things in the world, that came through Jesus. Number three the way he taught and influenced civility. This is where his teaching shines most brightly. That golden rule he taught, the world had heard the negative parts all its life. Don't do to anyone what you wouldn't want done for you, but Jesus took it further than anyone. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Treat people with respect. He taught about loving your neighbor, and then he told you who your neighbor was. Anybody on your road of life telling that great story that even non-Christians know called the good, see, you know. it's, It's a story we all know. And turning the other cheek, as difficult as it seems to us, somehow we know it's right. We've heard it all our lives. Even if you're not a believer, you've heard this, and you might say, well, I don't like doing that. But you know somehow deep down that that's the best way to live, and Jesus taught that in family life and covenant and loyalty and faithfulness to one another. And the Sermon on the Mount and all the wonderful things that it teaches us about being faithful to your spouse, but also be careful how you respond to people who are rude to you because otherwise we will have a revenge culture. It's most fully known in the teaching of Jesus. Civil law, even the law and order upon which our jurisprudence is built is Jesus through Old Testament stuff in him. His impact is enormous and this world is better because Jesus came to it. Second, in how he promoted and embodied forgiveness. This is so counterintuitive to us We have a hearty sense of justice also from God and therefore we want justice for everything and we think we're the ones who need to deliver it. And anybody who's been slighted and even in the most minor ways, you know what it's like to feel that and to hang on to it to become bitterness and resentment and it eats you up from the inside and causes all sorts of stuff on you. And Jesus kind of taught, emphatically taught, if you want to be set free from that, forgive your enemies We still revolt about this, but some of those who've done it, those who actually do that will tell you that's the healthy way to live. And he's so emphatic about it, he says, don't ask for forgiveness from God if you're not also offering forgiveness to others. They're kind of connected to each other. And on the cross, he not only taught it, but he practiced it. He became the poster for forgiveness that hangs up on the wall of every one of our minds. I went to Albania soon after it fell from communism and everybody still had communism residue, right? And one of the most common things you would see is these posters on the street of people who they've done wrong. Maybe they had a car accident and somebody got injured or killed and there was no legal process to go through to fix it. They would, they would go after them. The next family member would go after the people, either financially or physically go after them. And you were, it was a revenge culture. That's what they called it, a revenge culture just constantly and then they'd go get revenge and then and then the family uh, that was that did the wrong in the first place would take vengeance on them and it would go like a domino effect until everybody was just constantly mad at each other and paranoid about who's coming after me that's the kind of world that we would have if it weren't for there's some a uh, message of forgiveness being preached to it and Jesus preached it but the number one thing according to the announcements of God himself Jesus was a gift to the world in clarifying and dealing with sin. The fundamental problem, he said, with our humanity is not a lack of knowledge. It's not a lack of will. It's our sin. And the sooner we learn that, the better we can treat that. He showed us what sin was. He showed us why it's bad. It hurts you. It hurts God. It hurts the community. And for those who are not believers, you can look to Jesus for an education. What sin is... And what it does. And you can, you can learn to modify your behavior a little bit but just, by just watching Jesus. Even if you don't believe in him as Savior, you can respect him as teacher. But he goes a step further than that. He offers a means of not having to pay the ultimate consequences for those sins. He, he doesn't want to just teach you how to live better. He wants to keep you, get you atoned from your sin, to get you actual forgiveness so that your relationship with God is restored and with everybody else is restored. But even if you choose not to, that education is still there. He offers you a way out of those consequences. But if you don't take it, you still get the education. You still get to watch it. You still get to see it and appreciate it and take advantage of behavior modification. But listen, we're not, even in the church, sometimes I stress behavior modification so much that you miss the real point of what Jesus is. He didn't just come to change our behavior. He came to forgive our sin, which we can't do on our own, and so, for those who do respond to his offer of forgiveness by obeying him in response, that forgiveness flows in your life, and sin's impact is no longer, that ultimate impact is no longer held against you. Jesus was born as a human child, and he lived a human life. He carried out the will of God on the stage of history. That is a fact. That is a fact. And it's also a faith commitment. As a fact, he changed life on earth for everyone in big ways. And many people inherit those blessings and don't even know where the blessing came from. We are all beneficiaries of the life of Jesus, regardless of who we are and where we live. But as a faith commitment, for those of you who are Christians here today, his life gives us benefits that... Or for our time here, but also for the time in the new heaven and the new earth when we live with him forever. So you can have all the now benefits. We all do. It's common grace. It's the amazing things he's done that's benefited everybody, regardless of whether they know it or not. And you've got those. But listen, here's the thing we want to tell you. You can also have the later benefits. To enjoy that fellowship with him forever. And he makes it possible through his death. You can have them both, the now blessings and the later ones. You can have them both. We long for people to have them both. And they're both possible because that baby who was born into the human situation as son of man became through his obedience the son of God. And by doing so, he opened up the way for us to become sons and daughters of his of God's. And this morning, if you're not a son or daughter of God through the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus, there are some amazing benefits from the birth of this child, the life of this child, and the death of this child that you're missing out on. You're receiving a lot of them, He's still good news. He's still brought peace and joy on the earth. He's still a gift to the world, and you're a beneficiary of him. You are, absolutely, regardless of what your faith position is. But for those of you who are believers, there's much, much more that you're getting from him. We already gathered around the table to acknowledge what Jesus did for us, and everyone who partook acknowledges that this body and this blood was broken for you, and you committed to him And he's given you those benefits. But for those of you who have not responded that way, why not take those general benefits and add to them the eternal, the spiritual? This morning on Christmas Eve, you can do that. And we who've done it are here to encourage you, to bear witness. The difference he makes in our lives, we'd love to see him able to make that in yours. And if you're subject to that, we would be delighted to witness it as we stand and as we sing together.